Today's episode of Wizards After Dark is brought to you by Remarkably Remote, a new daily microcast from the experts at GoToMeeting all about making working from home work for you. With indispensable intel on how to stay sane, motivated, and productive at home, they're here to help you in this brave new remote working world. Find them on smart speakers or subscribe on your favorite podcasting app. You can listen at gotomeeting.com slash tips. That's gotomeeting.com slash tips. You guys thought I wasn't going to get an episode in this week, didn't you? Well, came very close. It's 4 p.m. on Friday, but I am actually getting you an episode of Wizards After Dark for this week and on the Skype line, socially. We are we are distancing as much as I can with any guest that I have on this podcast because he's all the way in Italy. Uh, a those those who have listened to my previous Thunder podcast might be well aware of him. If you remember, I did a story. Uh, probably a year and a half ago, it was like October of 2018, I did a story about a stat that this great statistician came up with called pass, we called it pass accuracy rate, detailing exactly what it sounds like, how accurate guys are when they pass into catch and shoot threes and studied five different high volume passers, including John Wall, Russell Westbrook, James Harden, LeBron James, Chris Paul, those five guys. That was a super interesting study I wrote about. It's one of my favorite pieces I've done. And I did it with this guy who is uh, currently in Italy and has taken the time to uh, get away from the, uh, distract himself from the troubles of the world by talking to me on my podcast now, Michele Berra. Hey, like it's it's been too much since we did something together, like podcast or projects or whatever. It's unreal that it, it's a year and a half since we did that that project right um it was yeah it's it's been too long i know well we used to, i'm glad glad to be here yes and if uh if you're just someone who follows my work and you followed it when i was with the thunder you probably know michele because i have him on my okc podcast all the time and he's a regular on down to dunk which is our our thunder podcast at the athletic as well so if there's any crossover there you might be aware i, I wanted to have you on today because I, I, I find Bradley Beal's All-NBA, converse, the conversation about Bradley Beal and All-NBA, I, I find it so fascinating, and it's going to be something I'm going to do numerous podcasts on, and I just kind of wanted to talk about it with you, because I, I, it is going to be a fascinating, fascinating vote for the bottom half. Now, I'm assuming the NBA is going to do awards. I think they're going to do awards no matter what happens with the mm-hmm. season. But they have yeah. to, if only for contracts. So I, I'm, I say with a lot of confidence, they're going to have awards. Bottom half of all NBA, those last three spots, you can go a million different ways with them. Like we know, Harden, Luca are going to be, and and Damian Lillard are going to be first and second mm-hmm. team. Those three guys are going to be the first two team guards, and and then second team. But what's what's going to be the rest? And there are a number of guys. And I just wanted to talk talk with you about that for 20, 25 minutes because I think it's a fascinating debate in the league right now. And there are a lot of smart justifications for a lot of these guys, you know? Yeah. I mean, 
at Down to Dunk, we decided to do something similar, uh, not exactly the same, since like there was no game to be played. We decided to do top five, and we did top five point guards, top five shooting guards, and top five whatever. We are at center uh, due in uh, Monday next week, and since I am really stupid, I decided to to build uh, a model, like a sort of baby statistical model, where I take a lot of features. Um, that I can I can even tell you like it's it's standard statistics plus a little bit of synergy and some advanced metric on defense. Um, I meshed them together and I came I came out with a with a rating that satisfies my basketball taste. So it's completely subjective. It's a lot there's a lot of bias inside. So it doesn't pretend to be a very good model overall. But I'm really satisfied with it. And I think that when you tackle it. Um, like a subject like this one, you have to, one, have some analytics that support your decision and B, go with the eye test and go with uh, what is like your knowledge about basketball. And with the latter, I'm, I watch a lot, like a good amount of game of the Wizards, but I cannot tell, I can I can say that I'm very confident about if we should put Bloody Bill in or not. So uh, I think that having a good statistical basis uh, could be helpful in, in that in that matter. I, I I think most listeners of this podcast probably agree with you. I mean, if you listen to this podcast, you're probably somewhat of a basketball nerd. I can't imagine a lot of people are sitting around listening to niche Wizards podcasts with a host who loves analytics and film breakdowns and is like uh, spewing out hot takes about how the game was so much better when there was hand checking. I just don't, <laughs> I don't really think that's yeah. that's happening very much. You know, yeah, I mean, uh, yeah, it's it just numbers gives you a perspective, which uh, if you do it properly, it's a very good perspective. If you do it randomly, then probably it's it's worse than not using uh, not use them at all. Um, but I, I love numbers. Uh, I'm a mathematician, so I, I cannot survive without numbers. And so uh, I use them to do everything, basically, uh, from recipe of bread and or pastry to basketball. So I, I just have to do that. Um, do you want to know the like the features that I have in my model? The, the yeah, statistics yeah, yeah, yeah. Let's go. I, let's, let's, yeah. Well, before we do that, I, I want to go over and, and I'm going to name some guys who I think are in in the conversation for the bottom half of, mm-hmm. of all NBA first, so we can at least get an idea of, of who we're looking at here. So here's my list. So Luca, Harden, and Lillard, those guys are those guys are getting the first three all NBA spots at Garden. No question. Mm-hmm. By the way, I am assuming that Chris Middleton and Jason Tatum are just going to be strictly there as forwards. Because they were both I agree with they were you. both front court guys in all star voting. Uh, Jalen Brown has really been more of the operational two. Chris Middleton really hasn't played guard this year. So while those guys have great all NBA cases on their own, we're just not talking about forwards. So that's why their names are not on the list. Here are the guys who I'm throwing out there. Don't get angry if you disagree. This isn't an all NBA guy, by the way, because I'm naming more than three guys. A lot of them aren't all NBA guys in no particular order. Chris Paul, Ben Simmons, Kyle Lowry, Russell Westbrook, Trey Young, Donovan Mitchell, Kemba Walker, and of course, Bradley Beal. And I think those are the guys who are who are on my list. You know, those are the guys who could be there. Yeah. I mean, all all the players you mentioned are in my top 15 um, guards. 
on the model. And the model says to me that the first three players are in this order, James Harden, Luka Doncic, and Damian Lillard. So um, like James Harden production in terms of statistics is unprecedented. If you don't use, if you don't go heavy on defense, which I didn't for um, All-NBA because I don't think that this is the way in which most reporters do All-NBA. And also because we are talking about a team that is not very good at defense. And so I think that Bradley B goes, has like a a huge penalty if we include too much net rating and and defensive like metrics. Um, But if you include the offensive part, then those three are the first three. And the player you mentioned are like, do very good in my model. So at least we are on the same page regarding to that. So name a player. What should we do? How do you want to do this? Should we just let th- throw out a name for me? And let's, you know what? I'm going to throw out a name because it's a guy who we have both. Mm-hmm. It's probably the player that we have spoken about more than any other player in the NBA. And I think he has a fascinating all NBA conversation. Uh, and we're obviously going to get to Bradley Beal in a little bit. But I, I want to mention Russell Westbrook because I find the All NBA case for him so fascinating. So Westbrook this year is uh, what is he? What is he? Where are you, Russ? Westbrook is twenty eight eight and seven, and the narrative mm-hmm. around him because of the final month and a half that he had was Russell Westbrook is finally playing the way the detractors want him to play, right? He's going mm-hmm. to the rim. He's been he's shooting like you know over the last. What was it? Two months of the season, he shot well over fifty percent from the field. I mean, a point guard shooting yeah. shooting fifty three percent or whatever it was. I mean, that is that is ridiculous. That that's it. That is remarkable. Yes, a point guard shooting that percentage is fantastic. He was taking fewer threes and he was draining his mid range shots. He was on a hot a hot streak with his jump shot. He was going to the rim like crazy. I. I I think his case is so fascinating because it's it's just a him and Harden are a wonderful study in recency bias because Harden really did struggle the last month and a half of the season. And Westbrook really was awesome the final month and a half of the season. But Westbrook really, really was not not himself out of the gate in Houston. And when you combine the full year, he's still he's still got an effective field goal percentage slightly below 50%. He still has a true shooting percentage below league average. The Rockets are still from a point per 100 possessions dif- uh, d- uh, difference. They were they were still significantly worse when he was on the floor. And when he's on the floor without mm-hmm. Harden, they really, really struggle still. So, yeah. so you look at the overall year, it's that to me is the ultimate numbers versus eye test kind of deal. And, and it's the practice of trying to figure out like, okay, how do we push away the recency bias? And is this recency bias or is it actually more valuable because it happened during the time when Harden was struggling and he really propped them up? Uh, what, what do you say about that? I mean, I, there is a huge conflict, uh, in me when I, when I evaluate Russell Westbrook, it's always been there. Uh, on one hand, you see him play, and it's magnetic. You, you, you can you cannot take your eyes out of the TV when you're watching Russell Westbrook. Uh, I was in the arena with Russell Westbrook, and it's an amazing experience. Uh, and you can see uh, when he's rolling, his team is incredible. Um, 
but the numbers with Rust, numbers and Rust are are difficult to to pair. I mean, if you if you look at, at all the models, Rust is up there. Um, it's six in my uh, in my rating, so it should be an All MBA. But I mean, the Rockets did everything they could to create the perfect team for Russell Westbrook, and yet he had just one month of really really good production for a guy that should be an All MBA. I think that is too little. I cannot discount the first month and a half of the season um, in the same way as, I mean, last season um, with the Thunder, he had a very rough first part of the season. Then he had a very, very, very good period from, I think, January, uh, well, maybe like late December to through February the 30th, like mid-February before also break. He was sensational, like very good two months period. And then he dropped again later. So do we really want to put in this month and a half of games, like the decision whether he should be ahead of a guy like Beal, who basically took a team that without him is probably the second worst team in the league or the worst team in the league and put him five game outs of the out of the playoffs or whatever it is. Um, I don't know that. I don't think that if I have to choose today, I would be hardly pressed to 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 put uh, Russell Westbrook in the bubble and let the last second decision um, I make it like a last second decision because it's too hard. I mean, I don't think that one month and a half, even if it's a month where we're hard and struggle, it's enough to say, well, yes, he's an All NBA guy to me. Um, and you can infer that maybe the struggle of of James Harden is the lacking of a very good screener. Because Houston lost a very good screen in Capella, a guy that could give them verticality and a lot of stuff. Uh, clearly, Capella was an issue in terms of spacing, but Harden needed spacing as much as Russ did. So I don't know how to judge that either. It's it's very complicated, and I don't think that numbers are the right, like raw numbers are the way to evaluate Russell Westbrook. They've never been, and this season is no difference. I think that's well said. I think it's a good point. And, and it's a great point about the, the contrast and style between Russ and Harden. Because it's funny, because coming into the year, one of the questions was, well, Russ wants the ball and Harden wants the ball, so how's it going to work? And it turns out their biggest contrast mm-hmm. is, well, Russ excels when you can just have literally four three-point shooters around him and he can have the ball because there's no one impeding the lane yeah. at all. And Harden excels while well, he's an unbelievable isolation player. He is... He's so great when he gets that screen too, uh, and he can just he mm-hmm. can just cause so much havoc. And it's funny because it's it, Westbrook is such an unbelievable example of how much the league has changed. Because Westbrook was like the ultimate high pick and roll point guard as recently as like three years ago, you know. So it's it's yeah. very it's amazing how much the league has changed. It's amazing how much the Rockets have tried to work with that. But I I, I want I won't spend too much time on him because I want to relate everything back to Beal. Um, Let's talk Beal. Let's compare him up against these guys. Where, where's where's Beal for you? And uh, and what do you think? I, I'm not going to say, by the way, on this podcast exactly where I have him. I have Beal right on the fringe. I haven't exactly decided yet where I would put him. I assume I'm going to have a vote. I had a vote last year. I voted for All-Star this year as a, as a media member. So so I, I would I would bet that I'm, I'm going to have a vote. Uh, I voted for him last year 
for what it's worth. I, I put him on on thirteen All NBA last year, uh, and he had this unbelievable scoring binge at, at the end of this year. I think if he continued that for the final twenty games, he he would have one one hell of a case and ended up averaging like thirty two a game. Really hard to leave that guy off. Uh, even so, where do you think Beal compares to these guys right now? So, I'll in my model, I have three guys ahead, clearly ahead of Beal. One is Russell Westbrook. The other one is Ben Simmons, um, who is there because of the counting stats, especially in terms of rebounds uh, and stuff like that. Uh, and a guy that I think deserves to be in the conversation who is Kyle Lowry. I mean, Lowry has been amazing this season uh, in terms of leadership, in terms of on off courts, uh, on off court stats, in terms of like overall numbers. He is crazy efficient. He leads a team that has exceeded expectation. Um, another guy that is slightly ahead of Bradley Beal in my rating is Chris Paul. And I do think that between Bradley Beal, uh, Russell Westbrook, Chris Paul and Kyle Lowry, um, it will be a hard like a, a difficult uh, race or like a hard race to the five and fifth and, and sixth spot because there are cases for them to be made. Um, again, Bradley Beal had amazing counting stats and this team, like the Wizards, um, like the way in which he elevates the roster is sensational. But in the end, when you look at the number of wins and it, it's hard it's really hard to make a real case because, like, take Chris Paul. Chris Paul took a team that, I mean, like Las Vegas projected to be a 30, 35 win team, and it was 40, and there are still 18, whatever, games to be played. Um, so he belongs in the conversation. Other guys like Devin Booker has similar cases to, uh, to Bradley Beal, even if it's not the same. Uh, and then you have guys like Kemba Walker, who are way behind in my rating, but still you can say, well, they were in a good team. I don't know. It's hard. It's hard for me to, uh, to make a definitive case, but what my rating tells me is Bradley Beal is really close to the, to the sixth spot in my rating. And if you want, if you want to put him ahead of Westbrook, ahead of Chris Paul, you can make a good case for it. I, I, I think people need to realize how good Kyle Lowry was this year. I voted for Lowry to start, the all-star game. Mm-hmm. I, I just, I think it's a good call. I, I just thought, I thought for him and Kemba to start the all-star game. Kemba's injury really hurts him. If, if, if Kemba hadn't missed as much time as he did, Kemba ended up playing 50 games and that might end up doing him in. I mean, if, if that, that might, you know, Simmons missed some time too. The, them not playing the final mm-hmm. 18 to 20 games of the year, by the way, is a big help to Ben Simmons. Cause if Ben Simmons ended up playing 50 games yeah. over 82, He's disqualified. Now all of a sudden it's like, ah, eh, maybe. I I mm-hmm. I think Chris Paul versus Bradley Beal is so interesting because they mm-hmm. have exact opposite cases. You know, Chris Paul hmm. Chris Paul's crunch time Chris Paul's are all all right. The counting stats don't necessarily jump out at you. The crunch no. time stats are literally the best in the NBA. And yeah. uh I, I I not only understand with the theory that, uh, you know, crunch time stats are volatile and they change year to year and they're not necessarily replicable and a lot of it is based on luck. Not only do I understand that, I agree with it. That is completely true. But I am also a huge believer that award voting should not be based on, well, if we simulated out the season 100 times, this is what would have happened. 
I think it should be based on what actually happened. And what actually happened yeah. is Chris Paul just kicked people's asses every single time a game was on the line this year. And that freaking matters. That is about as important yeah. as you can get from high production minutes in an NBA game. And Chris Paul was freaking great. He also had a really good defensive season this year. And Beal, on the other hand, um, I don't believe they were empty numbers. I don't believe they were empty numbers at all. But they weren't translating mm-hmm. to wins, which is not his fault. Look at the rest of the roster. Defensively, he was at fault for a lot of the Wizards' defensive problems. But offensively, especially during that stretch, he averaged 36 a game over his last 22 games. Um, I would love to see. I, have, I haven't actually looked this up. I'm just thinking out loud now. I would love to see how many guys have averaged over 30 and not made All-NBA. It's got to be very few. Oh, that. Yeah, I I think I I remember a podcast. Probably it was Low and Simmons discussing the, the exact same thing. Uh, or say how many guys like averaging more than thirty didn't make it. Uh, didn't make it. I think it's very little. And but like the wins at the end, the win matter. Um, probably it matters most for MVP voting. I really believe that the MVP uh, candidate needs to be one that takes a team for a certain level to another. And I don't think that Bill qualifies for that. Um, like the border, the, the MVP um, award that was given to Russ was already borderline because of the number of wins. And it was based on a crazy, crazy clutch stat. And like overall uh, counting stats and triple doubles and whatever. I don't think the Beagle belongs in that case. But but for all NBA, I mean, if you put Bradley Beal on any other team, he will probably not average in 30 points, but he will be very close to that. Like put him in the Thunder, like with the Thunder uh, instead of Shea or instead of even Danny Schroeder. I think that he will average like 28, 29 points per game. Uh, and he will belong in the, in the conversation, like for sure. Yeah. I so, mean, I, I think also I don't with want to- Beal... Is is that the the efficiency is still really good? I mean, it's 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 yeah. really good. I mean, we're talking fifty two percent effective field goal percentage, fifty eight percent true shooting, and and what he's really become amazing at is is getting to the line. Uh, he's getting to the yeah. line eight times a game this year, which and and hit eighty four percent of his free throws. Which, by the way, his free throw shooting is is way better than it's ever been now. Um, but getting to the line eight times a game, making two and a half more free throws than he ever has in his career. I mean, you, you go back four years, two years, and he's making, he's taking literally half as many free throws. And I know that was conscious. I've spoken to him about that. I know that was conscious Mm -hmm. with him talking about, um, wanting to get to the line more, working on moves where he holds out the ball, baits defenders, finishes through contact more. And by the way, now's as good of a time as any, I'm going to have Brad on the podcast on Monday. And, um, wow. we're, We're talking about, we're going to be talking about not necessarily this stuff, uh, but I have a I have a a good interview with Brad that's going to be going up on Monday, and so tune in tune in for that because we're going to talk about a lot of this season and and him taking taking leadership of this season and kind of going through through the year as the number one guy and what that was like for him. But I thought from an on court perspective, which unless somebody has some drastic off court stuff, I don't like throwing off court stuff into all NBA because I just 
there's so much stuff that happens behind closed doors, both negative and positive that we don't know. And just cause it got out there, mm-hmm. I, unless it's something so drastic, you know, Jimmy Butler last year, the way he handled the Minnesota thing affected the way that I did all NBA because he intentionally mm-hmm. tanked a team. And I just, I felt like I couldn't yeah. vote for him for all NBA that year because intentionally tanking a team affects your, that affects your performance from that year. But yeah. with Brad, just the way he handled the, the being the number one guy thing on the court, um, I thought it really, really, it upticked in the second half of the year. And the difference between him and like Westbrook that we're talking about is Westbrook legitimately struggled in the beginning part of the year. And then he really started to play fantastic basketball when Beal was playing, scoring very well, and then got to a point where he was legit the best scorer in the league for about a month and a half uh, stretch, a 22 game stretch where he was the single best scorer in the league. And I, I think matching that up against guys like Donovan Mitchell, who honestly had a a similar season on a better team, but just kind of not as good of a scorer, not as good on that part of the board. Trey Young, who I think is 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 not there yet, quite honestly, and I think is a worse defender. Mm-hmm. Um, you put it up against those guys, and I, oh, think, yeah. I think even Kemba Walker at this point, especially with the games missed, and I think Beal compares favorably, uh, quickly, I, I know you have to. We have to wrap up in a second, but quickly before we do, um, I want to ask you about about Ben Simmons because I know you're. We're both big Ben Simmons guys, and and Ben Simmons has a really good argument. Do not sleep on Ben Simmons for Defensive Player of the Year. By the way, he was so incredible defensively this year. God, he was great defensively this year. He's just as good on just on the weak side, getting deflections, stifling guys. He's so versatile. He's such a great defender. Where, how do you compare Simmons to Beal? Because it's weird the way we talk about positions, right? Like they're technically the same position because they're both guards, but they are so, how different could those two guys be, you know? And how, how do you make that comparison in a, in a conversation like this? It's hard. It's hard. Again, if I, if I look at the model, Ben Simmons is, I think, like a little bit above uh, where Bradley Beal is. Um and for Ben Simmons, I mean, if you look at the net rating stuff, the, the defensive part, um, and even like rebounds, steals, blocks, he's clearly very good. And and, and also the efficiency stats because he he takes twos, he doesn't take too many, like it doesn't take trees at all, nor like jumpers. So the efficiency uh, part are like very kind to him. Um, I think that you you look at Ben Simmons and. In the same way, I mean, it's hard not to put something uh, about the underwhelming uh, season that Philadelphia had on Ben Simmons' shoulders. It's probably not fair to do so. And in the same way, like discounting Bill for the bad season of the Wizards. But it feels like that. I don't know how to parse it in terms of like if I have to look at numbers straight. It's Ben Simmons, and it's not particularly close. Uh, it's Ben Simmons over Westbrook. It's Ben Simmons over Chris Paul. Um, but again, David, like uh, Bradley Beal has a very compelling case in terms of uh, the fact that if you put him elsewhere, I mean, put Ben Simmons elsewhere, and he will probably have um, a similar season because like the volume would be close to the same. He will probably have like a better spacing out him if you put him on the Rockets for example I think he will have a very similar season uh, or even a better season uh, than what Russ had uh, but you can say the same with Bradley Beal it's it's very close it's almost impossible to compare 
these are two players that play formally the same role, but but they are actually didn't. I mean, Ben Simmons is probably closer to what a guy like I don't know, like a four, um, even a center. I mean, you can venture and say that Ben Simmons plays a sort of point center in this league and and maybe his role should should be exactly that going forward uh, it's tricky to do it with a mid on the court but still so i i don't know like there, there there are ways i mean my rating is one way to compare the two players but it it's it's putting apple and pears together and say well this is fruit yes it's probably fruit but these are very different um if i have to choose today I would probably lean Simmons a bit just because the defensive side is insane and he can really um, be versatile enough to to defend five positions on the court. And that is something that if you have it, it's extremely valuable for your team. And I don't think that Bradley Beal has the same defensive capabilities. He could be an okay defender on the ball. Um, but but I mean, Simmons' versatility is, is insane. Uh, he's better than anybody in this category uh, for for guards and, and probably as you said he's a, he has a very compelling case for for sure like first defensive um lineup in the league and like and probably also top five in um best defender uh in the league for sure yeah yeah uh i will have a bunch of other podcasts talking about all nba I will have a bunch of other podcasts talking about the NBA draft. That's kind of what I'm going to be focusing on a, a decent amount moving forward. Um, so this was just a little bit of a preview. I was originally supposed to be uh, running another podcast today, but uh, uh, my guest unfortunately wasn't able to make it. So I called him McKelly and I was like, let's talk about LNBA for a little bit so I can get I can get something up last second. And we did it. We did it. Congrats. Yeah. Um, we sort of did it. We didn't talk at all about Donovan Mitchell. I'm a little bit miffed about that. You want to talk about Donovan Mitchell? Uh, no, he's very bad on my rating, and I think he had an overwhelming, uh, under, underwhelming season. Um, I agree. He will not, if I had a vote, uh, he will not be anywhere close my uh, All NBA. But I think he will be in many, many um, ballots. Uh, if I have to to make a bet. I agree. And I'm going to be doing other podcasts going more in depth. And I'm sure my opinions will become more and more solidified as we get close to this. But yeah, I mean, the guys who I'm really wanting to throw in there are Chris Paul, Simmons, Lowry, and, and Beal. I think those are the four guys that I'm really looking at the most for, for the guys who could be in there. I just, I don't think Trey Young is there yet. And on future podcasts, I will talk about why. And I don't... I didn't think Mitchell had a good, is quite a good enough year, and Kemba was really good this year. But the the games played is tough, and um, Simmons, the games played is tough too. But he was just yeah. so good. I mean, look, I actually think the argument that it's hard to reward Philly with two All NBA guys when they disappointed this year, I think that's fair. I, I have to consider exactly where I fall on that, but I think that's a fair argument too. So, so then again, if I if I make Ben Simmons my defensive player of the year, can I not have him all NBA? I mean, that seems a little no, no, you cannot. That seems a little ridiculous. Yeah. So, so I have to, yeah, you know, I have to see where I really, where I really stand on that too. But I, I will be back, like I said, on Monday. Make sure to check out that podcast. So I did, I did a long interview with Bradley Beal, and um, 
part of that interview is going to be going up on the podcast. Uh, I also have a a big feature on Brad coming out at The Athletic uh, on Sunday. It's going to be two parts. We're running it Sunday morning and Monday morning. At least that's the plan right now. I guess it's possible that that changes, but I can't imagine it will. I mean, just the days change. I, I can't imagine that it will, but I have, I have a, a big feature going up on Sunday, and then part two is going to be going up on Monday morning, so look out for that at The Athletic. If you don't subscribe... To The Athletic, you can subscribe for 40% off on an annual subscription if you go to theathletic.com slash wizardsafterdark, and you can get 40% off on an annual subscription there. That's going to get you $36 for an annual subscription, so $3 a month, and uh, I promise you it's worth it. You'll be able to read that Beal feature. You'll be able to read all my other work, Michael Lee, David Aldridge, everybody else in the DC team, and obviously everybody else on the website. You can check out Joe Posnanski's Baseball 100, which is so awesome if you're a baseball fan it's just like one of the most incredible series of journalism i've ever read honestly um and yeah subscribe to wizards after dark make sure you check out that monday episode brad was great for the interview and i did a little few days ago and and he was he was super honest and reflective about the the year that they just had so that's going to be going up on monday and i'm sure wizards fans are going to want to hear that from their star player um mckelly thanks for coming on last second man i appreciate it well, thank you. I hope uh, you like the the nerdiness that I brought to the podcast. Always, always. I will. Uh, <laughs> we'll we'll do we'll do a more in depth one another time, and we'll talk all NBA. We'll talk draft. We'll we'll do all that. Uh, but I uh, I will be back on Monday. With that podcast with Bradley Beal. I'll talk to you guys then. <laughs>